All right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You know, here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around the drink. And today I am drinking on some bourbon. Boom, 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 boom. And guess what? There is nothing in there. So it's going to be that type of episode today. And I am also drinking on some trusty H2O right here in my good old cup. Mm. All right, so today's episode is episode 61. Episode 61 is Black happy hour and for those of you out there looking you see i have on my sweatshirt and the sweatshirt proudly proclaims support black shit all right (laughs) so let's jump into some of these topics so i was reading this new york times article actually it was a very good article it was entitled the great erasure i think it came out on may 20th and so I'm recording this on May 24th, um, which is on a Tuesday. And by the way, happy birthday to the Queen, Miss Patty LaBelle, who turned 78 today. We got to give our legends, our living legends, the flowers while they're still here and not mourn them when they're gone. So happy birthday to Miss Patty Patty. Those of you who know me know I love me some Patty LaBelle. All right. So tomorrow, which is Wednesday, May 25th, marks the second anniversary of George Floyd's murder. Okay. I'm not going to say his death because it was a death that was um, precipitated by individuals who should have never been doing what they were doing at that particular time to cause his death. So it was a murder. It wasn't as if he died in his sleep and had natural causes as a result of that. So I'm going to say the second anniversary of his murder, May 25th, tomorrow, Wednesday, marks that. And what this article was very interesting, what this article was focusing on is during the time when the George Floyd situation was occurring, people were out protesting. People were coming out and being more resilient about understanding race relations, whether they were black, whether they were white, whether they were green, whether they were Asian, whether they were blue, right? It was a time where folks started to have what what the article identified as a racial reckoning, right? Which, because many people referred to that particular time as that. And then there was also this inflection point where we were at a point in America where folks were just tired of being in the same situation over and over and over. Now, of course, we had some of those individuals on the other side who were yelling everything else and that was opposite of that. But what I want to focus on is kind of that that moment, that pivoting moment in our history two years ago when folks were out because I, I was out in the streets. My son was out in the street protesting Black Lives Matter. The movement was moving. Individuals were donating to the organization so that they could continue to do the deeds that they were doing. Of course, you know, if you heard recently, there was some backlash in regards to some of the founders or at least prominent members of the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly in regards to how they were using funds. Now, I'm not going to comment one way or another that because I didn't see the funds and the 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 sheet <laughs> to identify exactly how um, the funds were used. But I, I thought this article was very good, right? And it was called The Great Erasure because what it was talking about is not only were folks out there having this racial reckoning, right? But there were moments in time where there were artists who was expressing themselves 
particularly as it relates to the movement and particularly as it relates to pushing the black agenda. Hello, support black shit. Boom, boom, boom. They were focusing on ensuring that, you know, <clears throat> they were able to use their art to identify ways in which they can contribute to that. And what this article focused on two years later is going and looking at some of those mur murals, right? So a lot of the art was put up as it relates to George Floyd. You saw a lot of his, his face popped up in different places, different cities. And more, more specifically, as it relates to this particular article, is that it identified that, you know, how streets were painted with Black Lives Matter, right? And so there were uh, several cities were popping up. D.C., I think, at least the article identified as being one of the first to identify Black Lives Matter and place the painting across the, the sidewalk. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But what they were doing was going back now and looking at those same signs to see how they have eroded, right? And in the sense, it kind of had this symbolization that as the murals and as the painting, you know, Black Lives Matter on the ground were moving, so too was the movement and the momentum behind the whole concept of Black Lives Matter. And I just thought that it was particularly a, a, a good piece to read. You don't have to necessarily agree. I know there are folks up there who don't like the New York Times, and that's perfectly fine. But it identified those pivotal moments, and it identified the fact that as that movement begins to, quote unquote, erase, right, the great erasure, and I'm not sure that it came to the final conclusion that that's what it's doing, so too is the opposite movement trying to push other agenda items on there that are inconsistent and that are incongruent with the whole concept of Black Lives Matter and the fact that we need to recognize our history and recognize where we are. And particularly what it identified was that there were, in response to that, there were 38 bills passed in 20 different states. And I'm just going to pull this up so you all can see this. This is a great website to look at. But anyhow, what it did is identify the U.S protest law tracker. And as you can see, there were 45 states who have identified considering some kind of law, right, that essentially restricted the means and manner in which individuals can protest, right? And this was in direct relation or in direct um, opposition to folks who were out there protesting and, and painting murals and things of that nature as it relates to Black Lives Matters, and particularly during the time of George Floyd, right? There were 245 bills that were placed on some government officials' table to look at and review. Now, this is astonishing that we have 20, 245 bills talking about limiting protests, the same thing that folks identified that they have the right to do that's inherent the, the freedom of assembly, right? But here we have states who were identified ways in which they can, quote unquote, legally restrict the manner in which protests occur. 38 bills have passed as it relates to that, right? And 40 are pending, right? So for instance, in Montana, they, they've enacted one particular bill. And North Dakota, there were four bills enacted that somehow restrict the means and manner in which individuals protest. Utah enacted one. Good old Texas 
did too. I just want to show you down here in Alabama, there were two that were enacted that restricted the way in which individuals protested, Louisiana. And so you can go here, Wisconsin enacted some, and you can just kind of see some of the bills and the manners in which they they are trying to restrict the way that you protest. And notice that when you look at these bills and you go to this website, and I put the link in the video, but when you go to these this particular site, you'll see that a lot of the legislation identify the protest as riots, right? Because ultimately what we do as black people, when we are trying to give our voice, according to many, <laughs> um, it's a riot, right? Now you just oppose that to January 6th and you don't see that same fire to use those particular words. Now, of course, when it's politically expedient to do so, folks would use that. So I'm going to put that on there on the, the, the video. So you can see that. I think it's important that you go and look at that just so that you can see, right. What the article also highlighted, which I thought was very good is that the opposition to the movements as it relates to George Floyd and, and et cetera, also spearheaded this concept of this critical race um, perspective, right? So individuals who who didn't want to have their children go to a school that taught or that had some kind of perspective as it relates to critical race theory. There's a website that I'm going to put in a link. It's actually ABC News identified, as you can see here, that there were 16 particular states that in some form, shape, or fashion passed legislation. You see them in blue, passed some kind of legislation as it relates to critical um, race theory and how teachers can teach that in the in the classroom. We see this actually in the Senate, right? You you look at that dummy Ted Cruz and you saw what he was trying to do when it came to Justice Katanji Brown confirmation, bringing up these things about the books and babies and all this just stupid BS that had absolutely nothing to do um, with her judicial record, right? But it's this concept of pushing this th theory and peddling this theory in the news because every time there's a soundbite about critical race theory, there is a ear that listens so that they can find ways. And when I say they, the majority, that's what I'm going to identify them as. They can find ways in which they can block the true message about this country, right? We don't, we, we too often don't want to hear, and this isn't anything that, that you all don't know, we too often want to ignore the negative aspect of our country, right? And highlight the positive. Oh, well, you know, where else can you do X, Y, and Z? Where else can you pull yourself up on your bootstrap, right? And be X, Y, and Z, right? But what we tend to do is always cover over the, the bad, you know, you know, in, in order for us to understand the good, we need to understand the bad so that we can't go back and repeat that, right? And one thing that the article indicated as we came to the street art, and I'll close this particular segment on that, is that it it said this. It says the article talked about the art and said, but to lose it, referring to the art, would be to lose a cultural record of the time, a record of the profound significance and magnitude of what transpired. A generation of young people and young artists found their voice and used it, creating an arts movement, right? So you think about the Harlem Renaissance, right? That era was in regards to individuals using the arts, music, 
dance, writing, right? And, and song, right? To push a story of resilience, right? And so this particular article focused on how that renaissance, that shaking movement of today, which was two years ago, right? Due to George Floyd's murder, how that has kind of disintegrated. So anyway, feel free to check it out. So I am sure that you all have seen the horrific situation down in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, I used to have to go to Jacksonville, Florida to work, right, when I worked at another um, place. Now, I, I haven't even, even sipped on this. I was over here preaching up in here. Mm. Ooh, it's nice and cold. So on May 16th, a young lady by the name of, uh, hopefully I pronounce her, her name correctly, is Ramey McCoy was in a BP, I think it was a BP gas station down in Jacksonville, Florida. And according to her, she was vicious. Well, not according to her. Hello. She was viciously attacked. But before I, I give you kind of what was going on, according to, you know, what I read, how, do, how about we just go ahead and take a look? Seconds. It was punch after punch after punch. I never thought I would be in like a situation like that ever. I walked into the gas station. He came in after me and was just like ranting and raving about y'all's kind and y'all need to go back and all this other stuff. While she was buying gas at the counter, she says the man was making racial remarks and was standing close to her. So she asked for some space. And he kept, didn't back up. I told him like, you know, like I could just call my dad or whatever. He was telling me like he had his gun in his car. So at that point I felt threatened. And then he put his beers on the counter in front of my stuff and I slid them over. And at that point, that's when he started punching me in the face. Let's take the video frame by frame. She's facing him, his leg at the bottom of the screen. You can see her arm move. Then he swings and punches her in the face. I was literally shocked. After the first hit, you could see my mouth drop. Like when he first hit me, I was just like, whoa. And then he kept hitting me. I want like real charges to be brought to him, not just something simple. Like this is an actual hate crime based on everything he was saying. And it's happening all over like to other people. And I just don't want it to happen to somebody else like in my neighborhood. And she says it starts by having him arrested. All right, so we, I'm sure you probably saw it all on the shade room. I'm sure you saw it in other places, right? But you see this 59-year-old man. His name is Kevin Williamson. This 59-year-old white man attacked this 23-year-old black female. Now, we don't hear any audio, right? So she said that he were was hurling racial slurs to her prior to him placing her his things down right then apparently he kind of slid his beards in front of hers as if he was going to go ahead and take her spot in line even though she's there when she moved the beard out the way is when she said oh as i read it right in the re police report that's when he attacked her and began to punch her all right I don't care, right, if she moved the beer and knocked it on the floor. <laughs> I don't care if she said, get your motherfucking shit away from me, right? At the end of the day, nothing she could have said unless it was threatening or she made some kind of, also made some kind of racial slur to him, which I doubt in this particular situation, given the way that the video occurred, He's picked up on, on Friday and he's taken into custody, right? And on Saturday, the next day, Saturday evening, he's out on a $20,000 bond. Now, when he gets to court, he asks the judge if she could lower his bail, right? Now, hear this out. <laughs> you know, some folks just think they are like just 
I guess because white folks create the law, they think that they are above the law and therefore they think they can manipulate the law and therefore they think that they have special privileges, right? So this mofo, this 59-year-old man, says to the judge, Your Honor, I want you to lower the bond because I'm on the sex offender list and I have been complying with my obligations as a sex offender and I only have two years left remaining as a sex offender. Okay, first of all, what does you, we'll talk about why you're on the list because obviously you're on the sex offender list according to what documents show is because the individual purportedly was underage at that particular time. Putting aside your sleazy bullshit, right, as to why you're on the sex offender list. What makes you think that you're complying with an obligation that you have for being a fucking sex offender gives you some kind of special privilege to lower your bond in a subsequent potential crime, right? Now, I say potential because we haven't gone to court yet. Now, apparently, at the at the moment the, the cops came, he was charged with battery, right? So in Florida... Apparently, battery is a first-degree misdemeanor. Okay, so instead, misdemeanor, not a felony, right? And so he wanted his bond lowered simply because he's complying with his obligations when, in fact, he's a fucking sex offender. Like, where do we do this at? Oh, I know. In Florida, the same fucking state, one of the states that's trying to get rid of all the books relating to critical race theory because folks there don't need to know about race relations because they know how to deal with it. Apparently, the way they deal with it is attacking innocent individuals, right? Now, you know, on on social media, when this video was showed on various outlets, when you read some of the comments, some of the comments focus on the guy in the background. I'm going to show this once again, just so you can see this. All right. So when we, if you can see over, you see behind the man, there's a guy who apparently appears to be an African-American male with a black t-shirt in the back. And so some of the comments were um, focused on him. Did he have an obligation to step in and help? Now, the, the uh, humanistic piece of us says, Fuck yes, absolutely. He has an obligation to to step in and help, right? Now, certainly we only saw a clip. We don't know towards the end whether or not he stepped in, but I just want to take it at that moment. Did he have an obligation to to actually step in? And 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 quite frankly, I would tell you that it, it really depends, right? It really depends because let's say for the sake of argument that he did step in and he harmed Kevin Williamson. Now, remember on some episodes before when we were talking about some of those t crime cases, right? The young boy, one of the young boys was on trial because according to him, he stepped in to help a handicapped person and he hit the man. And when he hit the man, the man died. So he was charged with the man's murder, right? So from a legal perspective, and again, I don't practice in, in Florida, so this isn't legal advice. This is just me assessing it from a legal perspective, right? This is just for entertainment purposes only, 
right? From a legal perspective, I'm not sure he necessarily had an obligation to step in as a bystander, right? Because if he would have harmed the guy, then potentially there could have been an issue. If he would have jumped in and let's say in the process of scuffling with Kevin Williamson, he harmed Miss McCoy, right? She could potentially have some kind of claim against him at that particular point for harming her. So it gets kind of convoluted and all that. And, and, and so from a legal perspective, I don't know. I think the answer is most individuals would tell you, leave it to the folks who are trained, quote unquote trained, which is the police officers, trained to deal with it, right? That's what most individuals would would say is the best thing to do in a bystander situation, right? If you feel that you have the option and the ability to diffuse the situation without it escalating further, certainly as a by bystander, people would say, okay, jump in. But from a legal perspective, I'm not sure he necessarily had an obligation. But from a community perspective, <laughs> from a black person to another black person, if I saw some white old man beating up on this young black girl, I'm not sure I would just stand there. I mean, that's just me, right? But again, I cannot fault the individual, assuming for the sake of argument, because again, we don't have the full array of, of what happened from beginning to end, whether he eventually came in at the end or not. We don't have that. But, you know, he it just, there's no, there is no law that requires you to step in, right? Typically, right? Now, Understand a, a lot of states have, you know, concepts of the Good Samaritan law that when you step in, you do, you try to help and something happened as a result of that. There are there are some defenses that you can use as a result of that. But that doesn't necessarily always shield you. Right. From what's going on if if a, if a claim is brought up thereafter. Right. So it, it, it also brought me back to, you know. Do we need more of the old school Black Panthers out there? Now, if you if you looked at this case a little further, you would identify, you would see the party who identifies himself as the new Black Panther Party, right, came out on the scene and was protesting the particular gas station because according to them, this is not the gas station's first rodeo as it relates to issues dealing race, right? They have had some concerns in the past, relating to it and so <clears throat> they were protesting that and one thing that the guy did say is that it doesn't matter whether the lady was black what matters is that she was a female and what also matters is that this was a male who obviously who was engaging in combat like fighting with a female it's just it's it's ridiculous right now you heard that in, in the video that he allegedly was making racial slurs right so that makes it a little further complicated, right? Because if you looked at some of the videos, you would hear one of the things that the new Black Panther Party also indicated is that they wanted this guy to be charged with a hate crime, right? Right now, the charge is first degree battery or battery, right? Now, in Florida, there is a statute, Florida statute section 775.0851A that allows a charge to be reclassified from a first-degree misdemeanor to a second-degree. Now, this is, of course, at the discretion of the prosecutor, but if this occurs, that will require them to actually prove a little more, right? 
because a battery is the unwanted the unwanted touching or of a, of a of another individual essentially, right? And we saw in the video that she didn't ask him to punch her. I'm sure she didn't ask that, right? Um, now he may come up with some ridiculous reason as to why he attacked her. It's probably going to be that she was aggressive. You know, people you love to use that term aggressive with black folks. So who knows what his ultimate defense is going to be? But what we do know is that the video shows him attacking her. Right. We don't see her punching him first. We don't see any of that, quote unquote, aggressive behavior prior to him going into full on fight mode. But what the statute allows the prosecutor to do is to raise that first degree battery misdemeanor to a felony, reclassify it basically to a felony. But the prosecutor would need to show, in addition to the unwanted touch, right, that it was a hate crime, that in the commission of that attack, basically that there's evidence of prejudice based on race. So that she indicated she'd been Miss McCoy indicated that prior to that, he had made some racial slurs. And I read somewhere that when he came in, he already came in pissed off and said, your people or your kind or some bullshit like that. Now, do I put a pass him? Absolutely not. Do I think he did it? Absolutely. Yes. Do I think he said it? Absolutely. Yes. Look at where he looked. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's in this Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, Come on, it'll take rocket scientists to to see that. But yeah, so you know that that occurred, and then on what day was that? Oh my God, last week there was the Buffalo shooting, right? And and this particular issue is so so annoying, so frustrating, so disheartening, so exhausting. That we can't, we, when I say we, because right now I'm talking as a member of the black community, we can't even go and buy fucking groceries without someone thinking that they have the right, the will, the need to harm us for no reason, right? So we have this 18-year-old guy by the name of Peyton Kendra, and I don't care how the fuck you say his name, 18-year-old, who basically committed domestic terrorism right now if you go and look at some of the fox news um reports about this they refer to him as mentally ill they didn't refer to black people like that right we're savages we're rioters we're angry we're aggressive right they don't give us the benefit of doubt before there's even a mental diagnosis by a professional right so they already diagnose him as mentally ill so you have an 18-year-old guy who researches and identifies that in Buffalo, in that particular zip code, that it has the largest population of African-Americans within a reasonable distance from him. Apparently, he lived about three hours from Buffalo. And so he came down, according to things that I've read, he came down in one particular point and went into the store. And a security guard had to ask him to leave because he's like, bro, why do you keep coming in and out of this fucking store and not buy nothing, right? And so apparently the the little fucking psychotic idiot, Peyton, told him that he was doing census data, which I don't know why, because isn't the next census in like 2030? Okay, putting that aside. He <laughs> so I don't know why he he thought that. Obviously, again, stupid. So and then he writes in a Discord message basically that 
you know, he he almost was caught. He felt like, oh, he's he actually indicated in the message that he's going to have to kill the guard and he hoped the guard doesn't harm him first. So obviously this is months before he actually attacks. Right. And so he goes and he does all that. And then I guess the day before the attack, he goes again to the same market and does the same scheme. But this time he was pretending to panhandle according to some witnesses and i think it was a manager to advise him look yo we don't allow this panhandling is not allowed in the premises you gotta go right so he goes and then apparently what he does is is that he streams so before he goes into the attack he allows a, a core group of about 30 people in this discord group and we don't know who these 30 people are we don't know whether or not these 30 30 folks alerted if any of these individuals alerted anyone about the plans, about the messages, but apparently they didn't, right? Because we saw some of the messages and the planning, at least that's what some of the things I read, some of the planning before, right? That was shared in this Discord or whatever group that he was in. So no one reported it prior to, but he gets there and they basically, he says there's no time better than any. And so he goes for the uh, thing and then he goes and starts shooting right so i think from what i understand is that he hits about 13 folks 11 of those folks who he attacked were black 10 individuals died as a result of that there were individuals from the ages of 20 to 86 who were victim to this unnecessary ridiculous shooting right now when you when the Police began looking at some of the information that he was using. They identified it as a manifesto, right? 180 pages. In, in some accounts, there's 200 pages, right? A manifesto. But what he relies upon and some of the statements is this concept of replacement theory, right? Now, there are some folks, particularly Tucker Carson on Fox News, who outs this ridiculous perspective about replacement theory. And quite frankly, there are politicians right? In the Senate who touts these same things. But when it comes to an action as a result of the bullshit that they spew, right? They find a way to try to distance themselves and say, well, I didn't suggest that he do this, or I didn't incite this, or this isn't what I truly believe. This isn't what I'm talking about. But for those of you who don't know what placement theory is, it's a conspiracy theory, right? There's nothing less, nothing more than a fucking conspiracy theory that basically says that folks in America are bringing in immigrants with the sole purpose of replacing whites in America so that these immigrants can vote and therefore help topple the quote-unquote Republican Party, essentially, right? Now, there was a study that shows that, that of all folks, Republicans are the individuals who who support or believe this conspiracy theory more than others. Now, first of all, any person with a modicum of intelligence would know you just can't bring people over and have them vote. Okay? <laughs> you, you can bring an immigrant over, right? But they don't initially just share the right to vote. There's a process, right? That process is long, right? That process is annoying. We know the process isn't 
quick. We also know that the immigration system is broken. Yeah, there are some people who come in and come under the radar, blah, blah, blah. But let's be realistic. If you have any kind of pea brain, you would know that individuals can't just get here as immigrants and start fucking voting and voting out some of these Republicans, right? So this whole concept of replacement theory is just completely ridiculous. It's unfortunate that individuals will not be accountable for this right and at some point we do need to begin to hold these individuals accountable and i i know no one wants to keep hearing about this voting aspect and i'm gonna uh, move to something in a moment and close this out that relates directly to this but you know it is important um that we find ways in which we can hold these individuals account accountable ted cruz need to be held accountable right he spews hate I don't care how you look at it. I don't care. It's not knowledge. It's bullshit, right? Because here's the reality, right? Why are you so scared of history? And why are you so scared of the truth about history, right? Why are you so confronted with the concept that America harmed groups of individuals marginalized groups of individuals, not just Blacks. We're talking about Asians. We're talking about Native Americans. We're talking about Hispanics. America have harmed marginalized groups throughout its history, right? It, and, and consistently doing it with the same behavior of trying to erase us, erase our image, erase our perspective of who we were, where we come from, right? Now, you know, granted, some of us can't trace ourselves to our indigenous lands, and mainly it was created that way, right? Which is why a lot of Black folks, there was this meme online where it was like, you ask your mom for your birth certificate, she'd go on the, the mattress. Yeah, we had to. We had to hide everything, right? Because no one wanted us to know how we existed, why we existed, who we were, who we descended from, right? So you, you, you're continuously doing that, and you think it's okay because you're butthurt that we want folks to face the reality that America was some bullshit. <laughs> Let me... How else do you how else do you categorize that? There's no other way in which you do that, right? And of course, people are gonna say I'm an angry black man. That's fine. I, I take that with pride ownership, baby, because here's the bottom line. I know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? We can debate issues, right? I can get animated about those debates, but nothing I'm saying is really inaccurate. I mean, it is what it is. America was some bullshit, right? We started from some bullshit, right? We left England, came over here and started bullshit with the Native Americans, right? Pushing them out from one land to the other, bullshit, right? Bringing in slaves from other lands and capturing them, bullshit, right? Having individuals indicate that they can't vote, bullshit, right? Having laws on the books that say you can't marry a white woman or a white man or this, that, and the third, bullshit, right? It's just constant bullshit, 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 bullshit. And the victims of the bullshit are nine times out of 10, and I, I don't have six for this, but nine times out of 10, marginalized communities. It is what it is. It's bullshit on top of bullshit, on top of bullshit, on top of bullshit, on top of bullshit. Yeah. So, you know, this rhetoric that these politicians are spewing is just stupid, and they don't want to face the funk. They don't want to face the reality. And, you know, it's just... It's just unfortunate. All right. So that leads me to the final one. The final issue here, or the final topic, is that I was looking at these 
tweets. Um, and it's from Uncle Luke. For those of you who don't know Uncle Luke, that's a, in a rap artist. He's like, shake what your mama gave you. I want you to shake what you Look to the girl with the... Wait, did he do the um, Days of Deuce? Oh, he also did that pop. That mm-mm-mm. Pop. That mm-mm. Pop. That mm-mm. I remember that back in the day. Okay. Because I can't say the word here. Okay. But here we go. So let me show you this. All right, so we have this tweet he put out on, let me see. It was May 22nd, so two days ago. He said, give me five reasons why black people should vote in the next election. Give me five black promises that have been fulfilled by politicians in the last election, mayor and president. All right, and then he followed up on that. Black folks, if you think these politicians are going to do something for you, got another thought coming. I think he meant another thing coming. Only thing they're good there okay, for is lying to you for your vote, playing on your intelligence, paying your pastors and community activists to get elected, to take, take care money of their friends, to take care of money. I guess to take money for their friends. I don't know. Whatever. All right. So the bottom line is this has this sparked quite a few responses like Anna Nevado, for those of you who don't watch the view i don't watch it but i know of her because she is a cuban who is a republican but when donald trump became republican she kind of like said fuck you um fuck the party but she's still a republican right but she identified i saw her tweet because it popped up on my feed and she said i'll give you 10 and she named the 10 victims from buffalo right so this kind of spewed an issue right that was going on and so Folks were, you know, going back and forth. Okay. He said, like, for instance, this particular person said, okay, first, those who don't vote have no say. Say you cook at your home and somebody comes over and help. They may not be able to change the menu, but you can hear their input should they offer it. If you aren't involved in the creation, don't complain about the resulting meal. Right. And then. There was a new reason today someone indicated Senator approved Lisa Cook as first black woman on Federal Reserve Board of Governors. That's one reason that you should vote. And he came back and said, we, con- we control three branches of government. The Republicans can't block anything. We are the majority in the Senate, the House, and we have executive privileges, privileges in the White House. All right. So, well, you know, first of all, yeah, we we have the White House, but not a, I don't know what the executive privilege is talking about. I guess he means that we could, that we've been fighting, uh, can do executive orders. But let's be clear, that only can go so far, and there's a process in which that goes. And folks will take it to task in the courts, as they have done in the past, relating to the COVID mandate and other things. So that doesn't necessarily win the day. Yes, we have the majority in the House. Right. We have a, a, a greater majority. But in the Senate, we don't necessarily because we have these progressive Democrat, the Democrats, particularly Manchin. I don't know what the fuck he is. I don't know why he keeps holding up everything. And I don't know why people don't come out and just say what they need to say to him and be like, look, brah, move to the other suck fucking side. Stop wasting people's time. Pretending like you're a Democrat when you're not because you're in West Virginia. You want to cater to these folks with these crazy fucking ideals. Okay. If you are going to represent the area in which you are voted into, do that. Okay. Fine. Do it. But actually go out there and do something about it. Okay. Let me go. Let me see your fucking polls that you've identified to see what the people in your district want. Right. So I, I, 
I don't know. I, I don't think that we could take the perspective, sit back and watch. Like, why are we voting? Yes, I know it's annoying. It's, frust- it's frustrating, right? Black folks are always coming to save the day. Hispanics who are voting, those who vote non-Republican, right? <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with voting Republican. I am socially liberal, liberal, but fiscally I'm more conservative, but it is what it is. But we can't take that, sit on the sideline and let other people do it and we watch bullshit. We have to put... Um, our our best foot forward. We have to hold these people accountable. There's ways in which you should hold these folks accountable, and particularly those in the local, right? The local elections are the most important elections. They identify who's going to be your judges in the localities. Most judges are running for these offices locally. It's going to identify who's going to be the prosecutor in that particular area, right? Who's going to decide which cases to bring, which charges to bring, what type of people to bring before the system, what type of folks to let go from the system, right? So it it matters. The school board, it matters. You need to exercise your right to vote. I don't want to hear all this bullshit. It don't matter, blah, blah, blah. This is stupid, blah, blah, blah. No, fuck that. People die, bled for the, for the ability for you to vote, okay? Now, those who can't get there, I get it. I also understand that there are roadblocks, right, in which it makes it seem like every time you move, right, to do something positive, that there's a way in which something is pulled back from you. I get it. I understand. There have been many of times where I just wanted to say, you know what, fuck this. Like, ain't nobody voting for what? We all going to die anyway, right? You know, I, I've, I've, I've been in that, in that boat. I know that there are reasons and, and valid justifications for why you don't want to vote. But I will say, at least locally, let's start somewhere. <laughs> if I can't push you to go out federally, let's start locally. If they're not moving, if they're not representing the interest that you provide, let's move them out. But you also have to give and be willing to give the same thing that you want from them. So if you want them to represent your interests, you need to be willing to fucking call and tell them what your interest is, right? I've, I will pick up the phone and call my representative in a minute, right? I don't know who, what they're going to do with it, but I am doing my due diligence of doing that. I will send emails if I need to, right? Because you need to get people in there. The more, the more diverse these, these boards are locally, the more diverse these, um, the judiciary locally are, the more likely that we can begin to make um, fairness sift through the institution. I'm not saying that, you know, diversity means black. I know there are going to be people who are out there, even though I got this shirt that says support black shit, and I mean it, and I stay by it, and I stand with it. I'm not saying that, but diversity, different thoughts processes, diff- different areas of where people grew up, women, Hispanics, Asians, Latinos, Latinas, Latinx. I, you know, I, I want to make sure I cover everything. You know, Hawaiian Pacific. We need diversity, right? These views matter, right? The divergence of views gives us the ability to begin to look like, sound like the people who walk around in our communities, right? So you have to do what you need to do to vote. I hate to belabor that point but i do think voting is important i vote in every single thing that i can hell if i can vote in google on which websites come up first i'm gonna vote fuck it i don't care so yeah 
that is my episode. It is Black Happy Hour. We're talking about everything black, 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 blackity, black, black, black. Uh, on this particular episode, I'm Sean, your host. You know, you can reach us by Facebook or on Facebook at Peeps Creek Cafe. You can get us on IG, Twitter, and Twitch at Peeps Creek. You can visit our website. On the website, we have all of our connect with us. I have the videos on there with transcriptions. All of that is there and available for you. We are improving, trying our best to be accommodating for different folks. So come on in. You can send us an email at cafe at peepscreek.com. Send us an email. Tell us you hate us. Tell us you love us. Tell us you want to be on the show. I would love to bring other people who I don't know anything about who may have differing views or may have similar views or just want to drink and shoot the shit. I would love to bring on more folks, random folks on. Not random. Random to me because I don't know you. And so come. It would be great. Don't don't shy away. All of our links of all of our social, all of our audio where you can get the podcast, you can reach us on wherever you listen to podcasts. But the links are there. That's cafe.peepscreek.com backslash links. And yeah, so that is where we are. Episode 61, Black Happy Hour. I'm your host, Sean. I appreciate you allowing me to stay here with you for the last couple of, I said it was going to be a short episode, but you know what? It's something about having this mic. I just love talking on this mic, which is why I've been doing this since 2018. It's going on four years, people, that I've been doing podcasts. And it'll be four years in December. I appreciate all of the support for the people who download us. I need to work on advertising the video portion of it. A lot of people don't like looking at podcasts. I get it. But, you know, it's a process and I enjoy it. And plus, hell, I look good in the camera. Look at this. Angles. All right. Until next time, make sure that you continue to drink, listen, and converse. Peace and love.